it's responding to changes in the market, right? Like mm. this happens in any industry where customers don't want what you offer anymore. So what do you do as a company? Welcome to In Demand Brand. Each episode, branding experts Vardeep Edwards, Jen Odom, and Jana Bramwell discuss tips, techniques, and insights that will help you build a strong brand presence that will get your business noticed. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of In Demand Brand. Once again, I am Jana Bramwell. I run J Blue Media. I do branding for tech startups. I'm Jen Odom. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and I connect people who care to causes that matter using brand strategy and design. Yep. Hi, I'm Vardeep, and I run the Branding Fox. I'm based in the UK in Rochester, Kent, and I help small to medium businesses use branding to help elevate their presence and inspire change with the work that they do. Awesome. Today we are going to be talking about rebrands and rebrands we like and basically why a company should rebrand and when are appropriate times to kind of take on that task. So let's talk about the rebrands that we like and who have done a good job. And I'll I'll launch us off. We're each gonna gonna choose one. And I chose Dunkin' Donuts. Um, they rebranded a couple of years ago. They originally got started in 1948. And let me just tell you why I like Dunkin' Donuts. So it was started in 1948 by this guy in Massachusetts, where all he wanted to sell was this wonderful cup of coffee and a donut at an affordable price. Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, it's a beautiful story. However, he didn't name it Dunkin' Donuts when he got started. So that didn't come for a couple years later. But in 2007, they changed their slogan to the world runs on Dunkin'. And in 2013, they launched the Dunkachino. And they started leading with beverages. So they started to notice a trend in their, in their sales. Their sales were down. Customers wanted healthier food options and the sugary pastries just, they were not one of them. So the company decided to change their, their strategy or they were going to be out of business if they didn't do something. And so as of 2018, the rebrand was announced, 60% of Dunkin's revenue came from beverages, a trend that steadily increased since the launch of their Dunkachino in 2013. So. Let me just tell you something about Dunkin' Donuts. I grew up in the South. I'm actually a Krispy Kreme girl. If I were to get a, <laughs> if I were to get a, a donut, I would go to Krispy Kreme or one of my local options called Sarah Donuts. But Dunkin' is not one of the places I would go to get a donut. I tell you what I would go to Dunkin' for, and that's a hazelnut coffee, because there was a time. Um, probably about 12 or 13 years ago when I worked at the agency and they would do a coffee run to Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, get me a hazelnut coffee. And it was amazing. You could put it in the microwave and it was still a great cup of coffee. So Dunkin' Donuts quite, quite honestly became known as a beverage brand for me. So in their rebrand, Dunkin' Donuts, the name no longer reflected the strategy that they 
wanted to, to continue with as they were going to grow the business. So they dropped donuts and simplified not only their product offering, but also the design of their stores so that they could serve more efficiently and they could serve with less employees because with the labor shortage, they needed to be able to run the stores with less employees. So the key was simplification. So they simplified the name, they simplified the brand and so that they could be more of a beverage led company expanding to nitro brews, cold brews, which I'm kind of excited about that actually. So they're still launching these things. So they had to redesign the interior in order to accommodate for these like on tap type products. So anyway, has it worked? So this was my question. They launched this in January of 2019. We've had enough years at this point. We could see like, has it actually worked? And yes, they're still in business. Their revenue is going up without getting into the nitty gritty details. The short answer is yes. So why is it important for a company to rebrand? Has your internal operations changed? Do you need to realign the company with your strategy? And does that mark an internal change? So for Duncan, this was a really good strategy for them. So yeah, Duncan. I love Duncan and it when I was flying I remember we would lay over in LaGuardia and that was a stop and it was in a time where we didn't have a Duncan in Colorado so we were there somebody would get off the plane and go grab everybody and I think I did have the hazelnut coffee too I think that they have a good and very specific product it's interesting to see them focus more on that beverage market for sure. And I love the simplicity that they've gone with now and just kind of like shortening it right to Duncan. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're taking on giants like Starbucks, but it's made a difference. And they're focusing their, their company and their product line. They simplified their product line 10%. So not only are they, they offering donuts, but they're offering all kinds of other things on their menu. It's it's really interesting. I didn't know that actually about Dunkin'. I thought they were still Dunkin' Donuts, so it shows um, they're not quite been on my radar as a brand. But it also just, I think it really highlights the fact that you've got to be able to create a brand that is adaptable. You know, it's kind of nothing sort of set in stone, but I, I mean, I don't know what their purpose or what their core is and whether that's sort of stayed the same throughout this rebrand. But it's interesting how they've really sort of listened to their target audience and I suppose got more specific as well on what their needs are to be able to understand that this is the direction they need to go in to carry on growing and developing what they've already got. So it's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting journey, um, especially when you talked about, you know, sugary pastries and people wanted healthier options, you know, and how they, how they get around that. Because I think McDonald's been doing that as well in the last few years and how to kind of lose that junk food tag to a fast food restaurant. So yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's interesting how they, they go about that. And it's responding to changes in the market, right? Like mm. this happens in any industry where the customers don't want what you offer anymore. So what do you do as a company? Mm. For Duncan, that was to, to change their product offering, but not only to change the product offering, but also to change the way that they do business. 
And, you know, dropping the donuts completely from their name, that must have been quite a big decision, actually. I mean, they must have been known as Dunkin' Donuts for, what, how many years has that been? So it's from 1950 1950. to 2019. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time. I mean, what a legacy, right? It's a huge change, but I also think it shows how much brand equity they have, that, like, they've been around for that long, and that that name in general has has become so well-known that they can drop the donuts, and Mm. people are like, oh, yeah, I know Dunkin'. I know what that is. So uh, sometimes I think when you have a well-established brand, you can really play on some of that recognition and be able to kind of evolve in a way that becomes a little more, like, simplistic. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bastard did that, didn't they, recently? I think within the last couple of years. They dropped their name. So, literally, it's just their logo. Um, and now when you see that, you know, you sort of normally have the stickers in the shop windows, you know, of the payments that this store recognises, you know, have Visa and Electron and have the Mastercard. Mastercard is just the two overlapping circles and it's really strong actually but it shows it's a really simple logo but it's become so iconic that you know it without even them having to put their name on it mm-hmm. what well, was really totally. interesting with their, their research um after they launched only about 30 percent noticed the new logo oh, right. and a, a different 30 percent noticed the they noticed the name change before they noticed the logo change what does that say about us as a generation? And the memorability of logos as well. You don't always see well, all the it, details, I suppose. It kind of doesn't surprise me in a way because the the look is fairly similar. They just kind of got rid of all the fluff, I, I guess, you know. But mm-hmm. essentially, you're right. Like, where's our attention? But, oh, yeah, it still, it still looks the same, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the goal and simplification and focus. Jana, who did you pick? So um, I picked Kia, and I want to, uh, I dressed for the occasion. This is my (laughs) Kia outfit. This is luxury, yet budget conscious. So, and this is kind of, this is their direction. So I'm kind of jumping to the end before we get there. (laughs) But let's talk a little bit about the company. So Kia was founded in 1944. They're a Korean, South Korean car company. They did a lot of work for other larger manufacturers. And I believe they were purchased eventually by Hyundai, but they maintain their own brand. They entered into the U.S. market when they gained most of their traction. I think the logo that everybody is familiar with or the brand attached to, or the logo attached to the brand is the red oval with the Kia name, simple Kia name in the middle. It's very legible. It's really simple, kind of almost a familiar car badge, like echoing like Ford where you've got the oval. And I I think they they gained some, some recognition. They became a budget car for a, a lot of us in in the us market but i believe they built brand equity because their products were really reliable and then they had a moment where i think they were going for the youthful fun market so this is like pre the new rebrand but you can't forget about the dancing hamsters i mean come on now <laughs> like that was such a fun campaign but i think at that time they were starting to really think a little bit more about their brand, how they wanted to appear, what markets they wanted to be in. And at that time, it looks like more youthful, fun, still really budget conscious. And even you look at the styling of the cars, I mean, they're kind of like quirky, right? Well, 
I personally started to notice the brand being this luxury slash budget conscious person. There was my dream car was always the Lexus IS, but I had noticed that Kia had a really beautiful Optima. And I was like, oh, I could get all the bells and whistles for a lot less. And it's just such a beautiful car. And I really noticed at that time they were starting to maybe just lean that styling into a product that was a little more mature, a little sleeker. So in 2021, they took on the task of doing a full on rebrand and they, my opinion, knocked it out of the park. They debuted a new logo at a record breaking fireworks show where they had drones and billions of fireworks. Now, part of their direction was going into the eco-conscious realm. So I don't know if that uh, brand launch quite aligns with that, but it did make a mark. And their new logo, going in this luxury direction, if we want to talk like specific aesthetic details, they really were hitting on classic black and white. This is a lot of luxury brands want to hit with this just simplistic. Their logo now, rather being the oval with the very legible words in it, is very like sleek and angular. They wanted it to exude symmetry, rhythm, and rising. So looking to like elevate themselves, get into this new market. Part of the reason that they were going in this direction, or one of the reasons they went to rebrand is they're looking to really become an innovator when it comes to the electrical car market. And I think that this is something that's huge. And I will almost say potentially, you know, Tesla, I think led the charge, but I really think up until Tesla, if you wanted to drive an eco-friendly car or an eco-conscious car, I'm sorry, it looked dumpy <laughs> or, or, or quirky. I'm like, yeah. you know, I would love to be an eco-conscious driver. And yeah, I'll drive a Prius, but like, I don't know. Every <laughs> single electric car on the market up until Tesla looked silly. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, yeah. I think it's so great that he is hopping on this. They're not only are they redoing their brand in this luxury way they are that includes their car models and how they're styling them and they want to offer that eco conscious offering with, with styling which is where the market should go and part of their intention in doing this is carving out and differentiating and getting that larger market share so I think it's a little early to say whether or not this is really hitting the mark. And I believe that they are still waiting to release some of these new car models. But I do believe that they're going to continue to increase their brand equity and get a corner in this market for sure. And I just, I'm on board. I love it. I'm so proud of them. Good job. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I, I think they did really well, too, because I was driving somewhere. I'm like, what is that? What logo? I don't even because you're so used to the way the, the little oval in the back of every car. And it wasn't in an oval. It was this angular like it wasn't contained yep. in, a, in any shape. But then once I figured it out, I'm like, oh, that's nice. That's very well done because yep. it you're I right. It. It'd lose that luxury and that now the ambiguity just makes it that much stronger of a brand. I think um, it's yeah. one of the car logos that I really recognize now. I think it took me a while to kind of warm to it. Um, it's not that I wasn't sure about it initially, but I think that sometimes is the case with 
a new logo or a rebrand, it sort of takes you a little while to get the recognition and kind of go, oh, I'm not sure if I like it or not yet. And But the more I've seen it, the more I'm recognising that's a really good logo. I, you know, what I also love is that it's it's really simplistic and modern and future forward looking, but it's not gone down the basic route that a lot of these rebrands have uh, with the big brands that have been happening yeah. over the recent years of really just stripping it back. I like the fact that it's still got the personality in there as well, but it's it's still quite minimal. It's not over the top. It's still going to work, you know, in lots of applications. And it is. It's really highly recognisable. I think it's on the um, on the back of a car. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think their and original I... logo was too generic. It looked like everybody mm. else. Yeah, yeah. And especially yeah, in the oval 100%. shape, it reminds me of Ford. And mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of car logos sort of started off like that. Yeah, and I think this is like a case that's almost. Uh, opposite of the Duncan scenario where with Duncan, the rebrand, you know, they kind of like held on to that logo identity and, and like kept it going through. And with Kia, I've heard that comment a lot is that I didn't even know what that logo was. So mm -hmm. they're taking a fairly established brand and they're kind of being like, hey, we're like, this is us. Like we're completely having a new face and it's going to take uh, the audience is a minute to be like, oh, that's a Kia. But I think it was mm. definitely something that will work in their advantage and it was something they'll yeah. need to do or they needed to do. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, it looks like it will now. I mean, I don't know. When did they start, did you say, Jenna? Because they've had, what, six logos? Two of them are yeah, very similar. Yeah, no, I mean, they've had so many logos. They started mm -hmm. in the mid-century or, like, 1940s, and if okay. you look back through their logos, they have some, there's some really interesting ones. There's actually <laughs> one that's really simplistic, too. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think that red oval mm -hmm. was um, the most recognizable. And one, of, one thing to note, too, is in their culture, red is a really a prominent and important color and yeah. i think considering the rebrand going into a more international direction wanting to think mm -hmm. about like okay if we like represent luxury globally how do we do that like we need to look at our color palette a little bit mm -hmm. and to go yeah. with that black is so executive and professional and c-suite and something that would achieve of whatever may be willing to drive, I don't know, or maybe a CEO, or have that luxury piece without breaking the company bank. Yeah, it's interesting, right? isn't it? You'd almost <laughs> see them having um, company cars, for example. You yeah, know, and that being a viable option, especially if they're going down the electric route and the eco-conscious side of things as well. Might be more affordable than Tesla. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to bet. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Vardeep, who did you choose? So I chose MailChimp. Oh, They're wow. in, well, I started off as an email provider. Are you guys familiar with MailChimp? In They're in Atlanta. Oh, there, there you go. I knew that. It's <laughs> 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 a good choice. I, I loved their rebrand. Mm -hmm. I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, I love... I love bold and bright colours, you know, anyway. So I've always been drawn to their branding. Um, but so I thought they were an interesting case to highlight because a little bit like Dunkin' Donuts, they've kind of adapted and changed. And the, the brand was quite fluid in the beginning and they've kind of adapted to the market and the people who tend to be their main customers. So 
just to give you a bit of background, MailChimp was founded by a couple of entrepreneurs, but it was a side project, it was a side hustle. It wasn't what they did on a day-to-day. The day-to-day job was a brand design agency, which I think was doing really well for them. But they decided to launch and focus on the side hustle because they absolutely loved working with small business owners and they wanted to help them and be able to help them in a way that big brands and big businesses could do. So rather than an email platform, and then we've got to put this into context a little bit, and I, I forget now when they started, but when they, start, when they did launch, email marketing wasn't such a thing for small businesses. It was more for the bigger businesses. That's what you were used to. You know, that was when you only had 10 emails in your inbox a day rather than hundreds, you know, so it was the time before. So they wanted to really help these smaller businesses behave like the big businesses and make something that's accessible, affordable, usable. So, and I think that's kind of been quite a bit of the core of their brand is this sort of innovative, creative element to what they're about. And the other reason they enjoyed working with smaller businesses is because it allowed them to be more nimble. So I think because they are a creative brand themselves, they were able to execute that as part of the way they ran, ran their business. But they started off as an email platform. So, you know, they kind of went through a few different variations in taglines in terms of what they called themselves. You know, they had easy email newsletters, MailChimp uses HTML. And they started to notice a change in what their customers needed from them. And this shows again, you know, what we spoke about earlier about really listening to your customers and adapting with the market because. I think when you define your target audience and when you define your brand, it has got to be an adaptable, flexible approach to what you create. I think the core of what you're about doesn't really change a huge amount, but I think other bits will tweak and adapt as you go. And they realise that even though these are the same people that we're targeting, the needs are changing and are changing. We need to adapt to stay relevant to that particular audience. These are the people we want to work with. Therefore, what do we need to do as a brand to make sure we're still their number one choice? So they began to realize that these small business owners as you know, sort of small businesses and one-man bands and solopreneurs were taking off, that they were needing more than just being able to send email newsletters. It was more about building their online business and having some sort of marketing platform and building their brand you know they might be selling products they might be selling digital products or services or needing to integrate other marketing elements like landing pages or websites or forms or surveys even social media which I think has been a much later sort of addition so they began to experiment with some of their messaging and their marketing and they started to call their tagline you know along the more the lines of building your brand sell your stuff it still wasn't quite right. You know, you could sort of see there was this process of the journey that they were on. They hadn't still quite managed to be what it was. And then, you know, when they did do the rebrand, they wanted to focus on being a marketing platform for their target audience. And I forget now who did the rebrand. I'll have to check it again. Um, But they went back to their their original logo, which is this uh, Freddy the monkey. So in the, um, in the original sort of designs, it was quite, um, quite illustrative, quite a lot of detail. He had a blue cap, 
And they basically stripped him back to being just a black graphic stencil type logo. They changed their lettering style from a script MailChimp to quite sort of solid, chunky, but still quite quirky element. And it, it, for me, the key is the, the bright yellow. You know, that's what I remember <laughs> for MailChimp now. And I just think it was brilliant because I don't think they've really... They've not changed the core of who they are, so they've really lent into their quirky style. They've got a, they've got a monkey head as a logo, you know. Yeah. Uh, who does that? You know, it just shows that they're, they're innovative, they're creative, they're just doing their own thing. And yellow is such a non-web colour at all. You know, you ask any sort of web accessibility expert, they're like, don't use yellow, it's, it's not what you do. But they just went straight down, this is what we're about, we're sticking to our values, we're sticking to what we're we want to be known for and it is you know it's bags personality they've got this really quirky illustrative uh, graphics and images that they've they've used throughout and i just think they've done an amazing job because they stand out they for me i think they're the first people that come to mind when people think about where to host their email marketing even though they're more than just an email. That's where they started from. And I think that's also interesting because I think you've got to start somewhere and be known for one thing first. Amazon was books, you know, MailChimp is email. Apple was computers. And they've kind of gone back to the core of what they're about and they still get remembered for being an email marketing platform, even though they offer so much more. And I just think they've done, yeah, I think they've done a really good job. And I like the fact that they stand out, you know, compared to... I mentioned earlier about a lot of the simplified logos. They haven't gone down that road. They've stuck to their guns. And I think it's, you know, it's done them, done them wonders and it, they've become a very memorable brand online. For I it. can remember when this um, launched, this rebrand launched, and I remember something in me was just kind of heartbroken because I love scripted fonts. Like, this was about the time when Instagram freshened up to their logo to, to make it tighter Mackie Saturday, Saturday doing that and I just I loved that that fun little script of MailChimp so when they launched it I was like oh they got rid of one of my favorites but I I'm with you on the color like when they mm. simplified their color palette to just yeah. the yellow because yellow is a happy color that's why mm -hmm. Mickey D's has yellow yeah. it, it is because they want small businesses to feel empowered and and the process of running their marketing can be fun and easy and that mm. yellow does it yeah absolutely and what i forgot to mention is they initially the rebrand wasn't instigated by needing a new visual identity it was more about clarity of what they stood for so that's the whole thing of just going back to the core and stripping back all the other iterations that they had or thought they should be doing or looking like. And I think that's really important when you come to branding because you kind of want to, you want to keep that core, the essence of what you're about. And that's what needs to be communicated. Yeah, and I think we all realize branding is this evolving thing, period, because as time changes, what customers need change, what they want, how they view you. There's no such thing as a stagnant brand. I mean, I think everybody needs to be on their toes. And it's so cool that they kind of took a look back at, at their market and, and, you know, went back to kind of their core and, and reevaluated and made sure like, okay, this is how we want to appear. And, and 
this is what we're gonna we've now offered this much we started here but now we're here you know and i do think i i don't think that old script logo was bad at all i agree it's very nice but you look at the new one and the the font that they chose it does it has that playfulness to it. It's really cool, and the coloring and the illustrations, it does make you feel comfortable and welcome yeah. and like, oh, okay, I have like help doing this mark email marketing thing, which is one of the many other things I, as a small business owner, have to take on. I have somebody that's gonna help me on this journey. One of the things that I love, also love about MailChimp is they started integrating into their user interface like little little pieces of joy so that you feel accomplished when you send your first email so they give you this little animated high yes. five yes. and i just i love that yeah. about them brilliant Brilliant. It's a great little brand interaction isn't it? it's just a little detail sometimes that really sort of connects you with them I haven't used it, but Asana does that too. Like, yeah, they give you little fireworks. <laughs> there's, there's like a little unicorn that goes across the screen. I'm like, yay! Yeah. <laughs> I, I think fun. that Melton I mean, did yeah. it first, though. I because that and it's a monkey hand, right? <laughs> yes. I know exactly what you're I talking about. I remember it. <laughs> I think that happened right around the time that they rebranded too. Yeah. Maybe it was. I mean, that. it just goes to show you we're all human. We all need some little like good job, you know, no matter where we are in life. Yeah. Like, please tell me I'm doing OK. Thank you. This yeah. is hard. Oh, my gosh. Doing marketing, all this stuff. I mean, it's there's just a lot when you're especially when you're a small business owner, like it can feel overwhelming. So yeah. I appreciate any business that's going to give you a little like pat on the back. And it's, it's a reflection of their personality, right? Like they, the quirkiness that you had to also talked about and about being that little cheerleader of, hey, you can do this. And so it's reflected in their brand. Mm -hmm. What if Kia were to do that? Like that wouldn't make sense wouldn't at all because that's not a part of their personality. Yeah, absolutely. It's got a real fun element to it. So, you know, I think, you know, a lot of business owners be like, oh my God, I've got to do my marketing. <laughs> you know, it can be a bit of a a chore at times because something they need to they know they need to do but it's just a billion of other things you know that they also need to do so just has that element of okay let's just make it a bit funding let's make it enjoyable and you kind of i think they really get that across mm -hmm. that little element of delight yes for sure i mean 100%. so we're looking at three different scenarios of reasons why it's uh, a rebrand is important and why a brand strategy can affect the business and the bottom line of a business. I think as a, like, when are the best times for companies to rebrand? Like when do companies really need to like consider, okay, we, we should look at this and, and make some changes. So just to recap, like for Dunkin' Donuts, they were simplifying their brand strategy so that they could grow and not die with the the changes in the market the customers didn't want sugary treats anymore and so they simplified their menu in order to and they simplified their name in order to change to take on more market value and then kia they wanted to appear more luxurious so they right. they they changed not only their logo but other things in their company in order to appeal to a different target market because they wanted to take on a different piece of the market so they rebranded yep. in order to to attract that market and then for mailchimp 
they wanted to simplify and get back to the basics. And so they got rid of a bunch of colors. They they offered better solutions for their business owners, for their audience that they were looking for anyway. And so, and then they brought in more of their personality, their original personality. So brand strategy, it affects the bottom line. It's just not, it's not just about pretty logos and pretty colors. Brand strategy has to deal with so much more than that. I think the other thing to mention, though, is a rebrand can only really happen if you've got a brand strategy in the first place, because you've got to understand what's not working before you even consider a rebrand. So like you've said, if Kia need to attract this new global, luxurious but affordable type market, you know, Dunkin' Donuts has been listening to, well, you know, Donuts has got a bad rap for being sweet food. But if you don't know what your brand stands for, what your brand is about in the first place, it's hard for you to begin to understand why you need to even rebrand. So, so yeah, it's the underlying sort of thread, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we've been talking about a lot of really huge, well-known brands, especially in today's standards. But when it comes to our engagements with our clients, I see a lot of people, and I mean, I will call it a rebrand, but many people come, they've run their business for several years, they have an established brand or something that they've been using. Typically, it may just be more or less like their visual identity, but they've grown to a point where they know that they're ready to, I don't want to say like be serious, but we need to level up. We're ready to level up. We're ready to like really examine our market, really Mm -hmm. think about who we're talking to, what we're saying on top of how we look. And a lot of times people I run into, they just started with their own DIY and they're ready to work with a professional to kind Mm -hmm. of gather those thoughts and ideas and and have somebody there to help interpret and and guide them on that path because it is such a task to try and see your own brand yourself i think yeah personally for me if i even look Mm -hmm. at my own just having an outside opinion and somebody to help Mm -hmm. guide you it's huge and i think a lot of brands that are smaller can benefit in that way too Mm mm-hmm because sometimes you don't know the gaps until you start looking at the details, just like you were talking about, Vardeep. And I think there is, um, like the Kia one example, is, and even MailChimp, feel like there's been iterations until the rebrand, you know, and so there'll probably be another one, you know, in so many years' time, I imagine, because the markets or the audiences or the needs might change. So be interesting. It's interesting to view it like that as well, isn't it, rather than it being one major rebrand. It, it sometimes steps isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and some, some of it might be, I think rebrands are generally, well, in these cases anyway, it's been where they've had to look at the whole brand as a whole, but some of those iterations before then, it's been just a messaging piece. Or maybe we're just going to change our logo or we're just going to have a look at our tagline rather than the whole thing. So it's interesting. I think, don't think it, sometimes it is a little bit of a process, isn't it, to kind of get to that point going, do you know what, we just need to do, look at everything now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why would you even want to look at it? Like, I think for a lot of businesses, they get stuck, and, and we can include ourselves in this. You get stuck, and you just don't, you want to go to the next level, whatever the next level is. Maybe mm-hmm. it's as a nonprofit, you want to increase the amount of donors that you have, and you want to go from that 3 million mark to the 10 million mark. But you've done everything that you know to do, so what what are you missing? And so sometimes it it is helpful to bring in an outside perspective and be like, okay, well, let's look at everything. Let's look at what you're doing. Let's see what the market 
is asking for and do the research and see where the gaps are and then how is that reflected in your verbal and your visual identity that's brand strategy and it always is this dance between company and customer mm -hmm. really i mean like that's that's it. It's that connection. It's that relationship. And how yeah. do you either foster more of what you've got going or reach out to a different connection, mm -hmm. you know, within your brand. But yeah, it's, it's examining those two pieces quite a bit. Man, what a great conversation. This was, this was great. Um, so I'm going to wrap us up. Um, and so I'm going to wrap us up with a random question. You see, I have a 12-year-old, and we are having all kinds of discussions about um, outfits nowadays, what's trendy, what's not. Mom, I don't want to wear that. And so what do you want to wear? Well, let's take a look. So what I want to know from you, too, is what is that piece that you wanted in your closet that your parents were like, ooh. Um, mm -mm. and why like why did you want to wear it like what was that that one thing because we're we're not exactly the same age but what was that trend you wanted to follow oh, Barty, if you go oh. first okay okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so what springs to mind um is not it's not fashionable at all and I wonder what your take is on it, but it was a shell suit. And I oh, yeah. remember wanting one when I was in high school. And my God, it was awful. It was so <laughs> awful. I don't know how that ever became a trend. And it's just got that swish, swish, mm -hmm. artificial, plasticky type material. It's just awful. It's so bad. <laughs> so I have no <laughs> idea how it became a fashion trend, but that was it. That was the thing you wanted, top and bottoms, bright colours with lines <laughs> like this, the stripes. Oh, yeah. <sighs> so bad. Big it shapes. was so awful. <laughs> <laughs> They're collectible, though. I, Did you? <laughs> I, I didn't know what it was. I'm like, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, I, I can remember one. buying those for my 80-year-old grandmother. Like, she, oh, she that's, that's what she left me. <laughs> I wore them, too, though, so I don't know. So wait, Marty, did you get one or oh, yeah. you wanted I got one? And... Yeah, I had a purple oh, one. I can't remember what the <laughs> colours of stripes were, but yeah, purple top and bottoms. Baggy as well. They're not even flattering in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> Just give it a couple of years, it'll come back. Jana, what was your Oh no. We'll see it. We'll see it for sure. Well, I I was debating on what story to tell. I, I was a little rebel. No, no surprise there. I loved like the Jinko jeans, uh, crop tops, all that fun stuff. Um, kind of not clothing related, but um, when I was 17, at, I was at a summer camp and I ended up getting my tongue pierced and <laughs> hiding it from my parents. <laughs> and then eventually they found out because I don't know, you'll see it. Um, and, and they were not very happy, but I basically was like, well, I'm going to be 18 in a couple months, so you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> but, but I continued this trend into college to the point where I had hardware other places, and my dad nicknamed me Ace Hardware. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How did you not I... think they were going to find out? <laughs> 
I don't know. That's, yeah. I don't, maybe I didn't know, and then I have, maybe didn't care. I don't know. <laughs> I loved the Z Cavarici pants. It's like the combination between, um, it has all the zippers on it. The zippers are coming back. I really like I actually really liked that trend. But it was the combination between those and the parachute pants, and the parachute pants are coming back. Like, so are they? Oh. So what's the difference between them and cargo pants? Because are they just are they baggier and have loads of zips? If you look back at MC Hammer, they were also <laughs> called MC Hammer pants, and like right. the crotch was super low. Yeah, yeah. It's almost yep. like the pants okay. went like this. Yep. They're coming back, yep. and they're oh super comfortable. I mean, we went from super tight pants to mm, parachute pants. <laughs> Oh, I feel fashion. a little weird now, like going back to baggy. I'm personally not ready to go back to baggy. I don't know. Are you a slow adopter, Jana? <laughs> As I get older, I'm a slower adopter. <laughs> I just don't want to replace my my closet. I, I like more of the classy. Can we just buy one thing and like it just last for decades? Like, can it? Oh, uh, I that know. I know lots of people that like to go and like totally replace their closet. I'm not one of those people. Like I did, I hate shopping. Come on, seriously. Do we have to go shopping again? I mean, with a 12 year old, like, oh wow, you you have high waters on. They're, they shouldn't look like that. We need to go get you some new clothes. Do your mm. shoes not fit again? Okay. No. The pains <laughs> of growing children. <laughs> Pains of growing businesses, right? Like, okay, yep. we need to redress you because it no longer fits. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> yep. Oh, so rebranding. Love it. This is a awesome. great conversation. It was a great conversation. Hey, thanks once again to everybody who's turned in, tuned into now our third episode of In Demand Brand. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode, and we will we'll catch you then. Bye. 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 Thanks for tuning in to In Demand Brand. If you like the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share. See you next time.